When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, welcome to Real Vision Crypto. Enjoy today's show. Welcome to Real Vision Crypto. I'm Ash Bennington. I'm joined today by Andrew Cahill, Research Director at The Block, and Saurabh Deshpande, Research Analyst at The Block, here to talk about their new report on Ethereum, Scaling Solutions, and L2 Networks. Gentlemen, welcome. Happy to be here. Thank you for having us, Ash. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have both of you. We were talking a little bit off camera about the overall state of the market. Uh, Andrew, Sarab, how do you see what's happening right now? Yeah, so um, just as a little bit of background, we published this report um, in like the first week of May. So obviously things have, have changed a fair amount. I think at the time ETH was trading above 3K and it's obviously not there right now. Um, but more generally, our research is generally... Um, Kind of focus more on the foundational technical aspects and kind of a broader overview of these solutions as opposed to trying to pick any asset at, at the right point in time because of price reasons you know so um the market is a little bit different than when we published the report but um I, i'd argue that all the concepts and foundations are are kind of still there and we're all kind of like the ethereum network is still kind of heading in the same direction as as we had pointed out during this report you know yeah, the price action kind of is what it is, but the underlying mechanics of the way the infrastructure works really critical for anyone who wants to understand this space. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, and I think this this topic that we took here um, with layer two scaling solutions is is one of the most technical out there. So um, we did our very best to kind of cut through all of that jargon and kind of break it down in a in a simple way for folks, which which we hope we were successful doing. Um, but yeah, obviously becoming a more important topic and uh, surrounded by jargon. So definitely something we were eager to get our hands on and um, ho hope we did okay with it. <laughs> I don't know if, if Saurabh, if you had anything you wanted to add to that. Yeah, sure. Um, so I remember that, Andrew, our discussions before we started writing the report, they just revolved around how to break this down, uh, how to not assume anything on the reader's behalf and, you know, really bring it down to the fundamentals and, laid out there for everyone. Uh, and I think the price action of today uh, gives us all the more reason to dive deeper into these things and understand them probably more intimately and gives us the chance. So I just think that we should take this opportunity with both, both hands. Yeah, well said. So the name of the report uh, is Layer 2 Scaling Solutions, a Framework for Comparison. Let's jump right in uh, to the action and talk about the nature of the problem itself Give us a sense of where you guys see the Ethereum network today, what the challenges are, and how you think about those challenges. Sure, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to start. I think I think the first thing, we kind of looked at the Ethereum network today and I guess like kind of three different uh, categories. So we kind of started with usage, which is obviously um, just looking at like annual numbers. 2021 was really just like a breakthrough year for the Ethereum community. Um, so despite the scaling challenges, we kind of saw NFTs emerge as this new use case. And we also just saw like the core 
settlement feature of Ethereum being leveraged at a scale that we had never seen before. So somewhere in the report, we kind of outlined how Ethereum is at this point in 2021 settled about $7.7 trillion worth of value, um, which puts it like in a similar ballpark to credit card networks actually above uh, MasterCard uh, in the year we looked at and um, above like someone like a PayPal, right? So it's kind of at a point where the aggregate financial activity that's happening on top of this, whether it be people sending ETH from one address to another or people issuing NFTs or people swapping assets on top of the platform that there's just so much going on right now. Um, which leading into the next thing is that like the, the network today is just not built for this level of activity. Um, so one of the things we looked at was, okay, well, how is capacity kind of trending on the network? And I think 2021 um, was just, it became crystal clear to everyone that this, this, I mean, it was already clear as early as like 2017 with um, this application called CryptoKitties that the network was having some shortcomings when it came to scaling. But I think this year um, that really rang true. And we have a chart in this, uh, in the report, it's on um, page 12, where we kind of just looked at um, what applications are consuming uh, like Ethereum's kind of computational powers on any given day. So this day was on March 31st that we updated this chart. And pretty much what it shows is that um, just 10 applications accounted for 40% of the network. Um, so while the, the, the Ethereum network does have this ambition to be a global you know, settlement platform that's open for anyone to use, as of today, there's only about you know, 600,000 people or daily active addresses, which are kind of like our approximation of, of people um, that are using it on any given day. And then I guess the final thing that we pointed out, which I'll let Saurabh kind of tackle, is that all, both of those things kind of triangulate to transaction fees. Personally, like before the DeFi summer, during the DeFi summer when all the activity took off, right? I mean, uh, we used to do transactions and they would cost you somewhere around 2 to $5 for a swap, right? On Uniswap and other decentralized exchanges. Uh, but if you were to do similar swaps when the DeFi activity took off, they would cost you anything in the range of $50 to $150, right? And uh, you cannot just assume that an average user would be willing to pay that kind of fees every time they want to interact with any DeFi application, right? And part of the reason, I mean, as we laid down in the report, is, is the fact that uh, there is a limit to which gas can be consumed by an Ethereum block, right? Uh, this is done to make sure that every node, the node infrastructure requirements aren't that high. And regular people probably with decent laptops uh, should be able to run full nodes. Uh, if you were to increase that gas limit uh, that a particular block consumes, uh, you would probably see some throughput increment. But that would happen at the cost of base layers decentralization and which is exactly what we don't want to do so if there is limited gas to be consumed or for a particular block uh, and too many people want to consume gas from that block what happens is uh, everyone starts bidding higher and higher for for that blocks block space right and uh, this way because there is uh, because of this bidding mechanism, uh, those with capital uh, end up having access to Ethereum and those who don't have access, I mean, those who don't have capital uh, remain on the sidelines as we saw uh, post 
DeFi summer of 2020. So that is the uh, fundamental reason why you will need something uh, which is built on top of this layer and takes the computational load off off of this layer and right. um, makes transactions cheaper. So I know this gets really technical really fast, but sir, essentially what you're saying is uh, the challenges and the trade-offs uh, that have to be struck for the network to scale, uh, and the most effective way for that to happen is effectively to split it into uh, a series of different layers so the processing can take place uh, in a way that sort of solves for both uh, of those sets of trade-off challenges that you've just discussed. Correct. Andrew, to pick up on Saurabh's point, how do you think about the fees in the network now? You've got an interesting chart in the report that points to precisely this. Yeah, so right here on page 13, we have this chart where it is a little bit, I guess, wisely titled uh, Ethereum, a platform for the 1%. And just kind of hitting on, on Saurabh's point, it's like this, this chart just shows the average fee that a user would pay to affect a transaction. And that's a lot goes into just calculating that kind of number. And you'll see in this chart, it kind of spikes to around $70. But many transactions have cost hundreds, many thousands. And many times people will get to a point where they want to do a transaction. They look and they're like, you know, this is just way too expensive for me. So we have a nice little quote in here from uh, Vitalik Buterin, who's the co-founder of Ethereum, where he kind of says, he stands by his comment that the internet of money should not cost more than five cents per transaction. Um, and this is not like a knock against anyone. It's just saying that like, they're pretty far off of that goal. Well, they were very far off of that goal yeah. as of like 2021. Um, so that's kind of why all this work that is going on in the community is so important. Because if you look at all the other different layer ones out there, it's becoming like a pretty competitive landscape. Like Ethereum obviously still has a much larger ecosystem across like kind of every metric. Um, but at the same time, like this, this fee issue really like came to a head this year where it was like, people just don't have the money to, to pay for, to do the things they want to do on it. Um, and, and there are even some funny examples of a lot of people on our team at the block who are, you know, waking up early on Saturday morning to kind of jam their transactions through <laughs> before fees, fees kind of spike. And I guess the one other metric to kind of highlight, uh, that kind of weaves this together is that just in aggregate. So in 2020, users paid about $600 million in transaction fees on the network. Um, and in 2021, that metric rose to almost $10 billion, um, which is like an increase of like a thousand percent year over year. So the network, clearly there is like a lot of demand um, to access the products and services on top of Ethereum. And there's $10 billion worth of money that people are willing to pay to do so. But when you look at it on an individual, like kind of user basis, I mean, people are really starting to feel the pain here. Um, so there is like an even just like a natural catalyst for people to kind of move off of Ethereum onto these layer twos, just given how high the fees are. Hey, if you like this clip, be sure to check out the full interview and more only on realvision.com forward slash crypto. It's 100% free. Sign up now.